Father, you are King, and you will be King forever. We thank you that we have that great day to look forward to. We thank you, Father, that we as brothers and sisters in Christ will have that great day to sing these praises and many others to you. And we sing it now and we will sing it then because you are worthy. Father, we thank you for these next moments that we have in your word. And I pray that today you would speak to us, that you would challenge us through your word, through the testimony of those who have gone before us. Father, we give this moment to you and we give you all the glory. Because again, you and you alone are worthy. And it is in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. I'm not Jason Pettis. If you missed that message uh, from Jason, he's preaching over in the chapel today. So if you want to leave now and go to the chapel, I will not be offended. Promise. Uh, Very thankful to be here. I was kidding. I'm going to mock you publicly. Uh, Man, before I get started, uh, I just want to brag on Living Hope. Uh, Before I do that, you know, probably should tell you who I am. Uh, My name is Will Burnham. My wife, Laura, and our three boys are members, longtime members of Living Hope, and we are sent out once from Living Hope. We have lived in northern India for a number of years, and most recently, the past four years, uh, we've been serving the Lord in southern Europe, working among refugees. And so today, I want to talk a little bit about how we are seeing God at work and how that can and should affect us right here in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Uh, so, before I do that, though, let me brag just on living hope in that there's 44,000 Southern Baptist churches in the U.S. That's a lot. And it's uh, a lot, a lot. Living hope is in the top 50. I don't mean top 50%. I mean top 50 churches in giving to missions. Yeah. Come over here had it first. I'm sorry about it. I mean, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, so let me just encourage you that your church, uh, my church, our church, man, uh, we are up there. I love that. I love being a member and a sent out one from Living Hope. I get to brag about our church to many, many, many people. And uh, But it's not enough. So keep giving. Uh, keep praying more and keep going more. Many of you in the room have come to visit us in Southern Europe. Others have been other places in Portugal and Africa, other places where we have sent out ones. And I want to thank you for going, but I, I just want to say, hey, keep on coming. Uh, we, we love to have you guys serving alongside us where we are in Southern Europe. What I want to do today is challenge you and encourage you from God's Word and from testimonies and life stories of men and women of faith who have gone on before us and from what we're seeing happen today in the midst of a broken and lost world. You know, obviously we turn on the TV, we, you know, click on the internet and where we get your news sources from. Uh, you know, it doesn't take us long to realize that we live in a broken world. I don't think I'm, you know, shattering anybody's, uh, you know, worldview right now. I mean, we, we live in a broken world, and let's just go ahead and get it out there. It's not going to get better until Jesus comes back. Okay. It's not going to get better until Jesus comes back. Uh, and so, you know, so that we'll come back to that here in a few minutes. But first of all, I want to just encourage you that as followers of Christ, 
the way that we live in a broken and lost world should look different than those who are not followers of Jesus. Okay? It should. I I know that for many of us it it does. Uh, But I just want to challenge you today that your life, the way that you view the world, should be based on Scripture. Okay? Not politics. Not income. Not social status. Not anything that this world has to offer. The way you view the world should come from Scripture, and that's what we want to look at today, because as believers, that should impact the way that we live in a lost, broken, dark world. And I want to share the story of Dimitri. If you have uh, seen the movie or read the book, The Insanity of God, uh, if you haven't, I would encourage you to. It's a great resource. Uh, The author is Nick Ripken, again, The Insanity of God. Nick and his wife went and they, uh, they interviewed persecuted believers all over the world. And uh, then he compiles all those in, in this book and in the movie. One of the men that he talks to is Dmitri. Dmitri was a Russian man in the 1960s who worked in a factory. One day his wife came to him and she said, you need to start teaching our children from the Bible because no one else is. So, you know, so you can't, can't do it. And so he says, okay, I'll start teaching our children. Well, as passerbyers here and as, um, you know, other villagers here, him teaching the Word, they come and they say, hey, uh, we want to know about the Bible. Would you be willing to teach us? He had no intent to be a pastor or to start a church or anything like that. Uh, You know, he just wanted to teach his kids the Bible. It was pretty awesome. Well, after a few short months, he's got over 150 people meeting in his home as he teaches them the Bible. Well, to the KGB... That sounded a lot like church. And so the KGB came and they took Dimitri and they took him 1,000 miles away and locked him up in a prison in the middle of nowhere, Russia, in the 1960s for 17 years because he taught his children the Bible. Now, that's pretty broken. That, that's, you know, it doesn't take us much to recollect what the 1960s was like in Russia, in those prisons, in the middle of nowhere, uh, simply because he was a follower of Jesus. And uh, Dimitri, though, he understood that all that was going on to him during that time uh, was nothing. Because he knew that his home was in heaven. He didn't focus so much on today and all of the brokenness that was around him and that was happening to him. He understood that his future, his hope was in Christ and that his home was going to be in heaven. And so, see, that changed the way that he reacted in that situation. So for 17 years, this is what Dimitri did. Every morning when the sun rose, he would go and he would stand in front of his cell bars as the sun came up, and he would stretch his arms out, and he would sing a heart song to God. As you can imagine, the thousand other Russian Russian convicts, they they didn't really like that. And so they would mock him, and they would beat him, and as he was singing, they would take their feces, and they would throw it down into his cell. But he would sing this song for 17 years, every single day, and this is what it was. This is my heart song. I will stand and sing, for I am a son of the living God, the living King. So when the fire comes, I'll be rejoicing. Even when I suffer, I'll be singing, Jesus is alive, Jesus is alive. This was his heart song that he sang every day, 17 years, Russian prison. Mop, beaten, everything. Well, one day the guards come to him and they trick him. They, they kind of convince him that they had killed his wife. 
and they would let him go and take care of his children if he would recant his faith. 17 years, a long time. He said, come back tomorrow, I'll sign the papers. Well, that night he had a dream, and his wife was in that dream walking, and uh, so he took that from the Lord, and he knew that his wife was alive. So when the guards came in the next morning, uh, he, he takes that piece of paper and he shoves it back to them and he says, no, I know you tricked me. My wife is actually alive. They beat him and beat him and beat him. And then they take him out of his cell and they begin to drag him down the corridor to take him out to the courtyard to kill him publicly in front of everyone, which they had every right to do in 1960s Russia. As they're dragging him down the corridor, 1,000 hardened Russian criminal men stood at their cells, raised their arms, and sang Dimitri's heart song. The guards stop in their track, and they look at Dimitri, and they say, Who are you? Out of fear or whatever, we don't know, but they let him go. That next day, he was on his way back home to be reunited with his family. You see, Dimitri lived in the midst of harsh brokenness. Let's just, you know, let's be honest. You and I, you know, are never going to go through something like that because of our faith right here in America. But we do live in the midst of brokenness, don't we? We do live in the midst of darkness because it's the world that we live in. Well, let's learn from brothers like Dimitri and others that in the midst of brokenness, we can sing praises to God because our lives are different we recognize that this is not our home. Heaven is our home. And that affects the way that we live today. Or it should affect the way that we live today. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look in the book of Isaiah, chapter 52. If you have your Bible, and I hope that you... Yeah. Uh, I want you to turn to Isaiah. He's not Pettison here. I make fun of him. Uh, turn to Isaiah, chapter 52. And we're going to have Bella Wabe come and read for us some of the verses that we're going to study today. This is Isaiah 52. If you will stand in honor of the reading of God's Word, that will take it away. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. He publishes peace, he brings good news and happiness, he publishes salvation. He says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice, together they sing for joy. For I to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together in the singing, for you waste place to Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. Amen. Thank you. Wonderful job. You can be seated. All right. Thank you. Wonderful job. Wonderful job. All right. So we're going to stay in Isaiah 52. What we're going to do is we're going to look at four different songs that God gives the nation of Israel through the prophet. He wants to encourage them in the midst of what's going to take place. He wants to encourage them and understand that in the midst of the brokenness that you're going to live through, there is hope. And so what we're going to do is look at four songs. The first song comes in the first few verses of Isaiah 52, verses 1 through 12. Awake, awake. Put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For there shall no more come into you the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake yourself from the dust and arise. Be seated, O Jerusalem. Loose the bonds from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. 
Now we have a break, and so we know this is a stanza, and this is a song that the nation of Israel can sing to be reminded of their salvation that's going to come through God. And so this is a foreshadow for us in the salvation that we have in Christ, that our bonds have been loosed, that we can shake off the dust of our past and be a redeemed, holy people living for God. And so this is a song of salvation. And we can be reminded that God has done this great thing for us. Now I want to tell you a little bit about how we see God at work today. As I said before, we work with refugees uh, in southern Europe. And uh, I just want to encourage you. I mean, you do know that the news does not give you the full story. That doesn't rock anybody's world there. Okay. Uh, you know, first of all, you know, the refugees that are coming, uh, over 70% are women and children and men over 50. Did you ever hear that? No, over 70%. Women, children, men over the age of 50. And they're coming because they have to. They're coming, they're fleeing their lands for a reason. We'll get into that in just a minute. I just want to challenge you, I want to encourage you that God is at work today among refugees, many of whom are coming from the heart of places that we can't go. This is an amazing thing when we see God at work, and to kind of set the stage for this, I want to, I want to talk about Jesus. I mean, because we're at church, we talk about Jesus, right? I want, to, I want to talk about baby Jesus. I want to talk about toddler Jesus, whose mommy and daddy had to flee government persecution and live in another land as refugees. So Jesus, our Savior, began his life as a refugee. Now let's try to transport ourselves there and let's imagine that we live in that host country. That's what we would call a country that welcomes in refugees. A host country. Man, wouldn't we just want for that host country to welcome Jesus, Mary, and Joseph? You know, wouldn't we want them to open their homes and be willing to love on a family that's in need, that's just gone through a traumatic journey and had to flee for their life? Wouldn't, wouldn't we want that host country to do that? You know, we, we would just be appalled. I mean, we would be upset if we were to find out that uh, nobody uh, in, in that new land wanted to play with Jesus because he was a refugee kid who was born in a village in another country, and maybe they thought he had some kind of a disease. They probably didn't have all the shots that we had, and so, kids, we don't want you to play with baby Jesus. You know, I mean, we would just be appalled if the other carpenters in that area looked at Joseph and shunned him and disgraced him because he was willing to do work at a cheaper price because he needed to provide for his family. Because remember, he had to flee everything that he had. Man, wouldn't we just be appalled if that's how Jesus and Mary and Joseph were welcomed into a host country? So, shouldn't we be appalled at our reaction to refugees today? I want to challenge you that God's Word is what governs our life. And God's Word is what directs the way that we live in a broken 
harsh world. And the refugee movement of people is broken and dark. I can tell story after story that breaks my heart every time I tell them. And here are people that we have the opportunity to, where we live, but also in a host country, in a host city like Bowling Green, Kentucky, to reach out to those families. Now, 1 John 4 tells us that perfect love casts out fear. And so would we be willing to overcome our fear and let us cross over the cultural divide and invite people into our home? To show love to them just like we hope people showed love to the refugee family of Jesus and Mary and Joseph. To be willing to pick someone up and take them to a job interview. To be willing to take one, someone shopping when they just get to the city. To actually invite someone into your home to serve tea and just get to know them. You know the average amount of time that an international is in the States before they're invited into an American's home? Eight years. Eight years. And here we are, followers of Christ. And we should let this govern our lives and help us to overcome fear and actually show the love of Christ and share the love of Christ to a broken people. And so I just want to challenge you today, encourage you, because God does not make mistakes and He is at work among refugees. And we've turned it into politics. But yet God is at work. And so shouldn't that overcome anything else that we would think? Let me tell you how God's at work. Four ways that we're seeing many, many, many Muslims come to faith today. One, they have an interaction with a believer, a follower of Christ. Whether it's someone who welcomes them out of a boat, whether it's someone who clothes their child, gives their child new clothes who got wet on the journey, uh, somebody who offers them tea and a clean place to stay and to have a meal or someone in their host country that actually goes across that cultural divide and loves on that family and welcomes them into their home. Many of them have never experienced that and have been told the opposite of how Christians truly live their lives. And so they have this interaction with a believer that just begins to open their eyes that maybe not everything I've been told is true. Just like I'm challenging you today, that maybe not everything you've been told is true. And so their worldview is, is, is rocked a little. Number two, they get a copy of Scripture in their heart language. Now, I can, now your heart language is what you would sing in, okay? And it's important that it's that. Uh, now, I can could, I could tell you stories about how God is getting the Bible, is getting Scripture into the heart of Iran, into the heart of Iraq, into the heart of Afghanistan and Syria, places where we can't go. Miraculous ways that God is getting His Word into these places, much like He did to Dimitri in the 1960s in Russia. He actually got a Bible to him. It's amazing how God can do that. And as they begin to read what Jesus has done for them, opens their eyes, maybe for the first time they're hearing the truth about Jesus. Number three is they've had a prayer answered in the name of Jesus. Now it's often from that individual that was willing to cross that cultural divide and show them love and be that interaction with a believer. Uh, that individual, as you hear things that need prayer and that only God could answer, we offer to pray for those things. And let me give you an example. 
we had a mother who came into the refugee center and just distraught and broken. She had gotten uh, disconnected with her teenage daughter uh, in Turkey before they crossed over the water to where we are. And it doesn't take long for us to imagine where that road is probably going to end of a young teenage girl uh, who's lost on the refugee highway. And she's just distraught, and she's pouring out uh, this to our colleague. And our colleague says, listen, I believe that God answers prayer. Do you mind if I pray for you right now? And the answer was an immediate, please, please do. Now I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus. Is that okay? An immediate response. Yes, please. I have never been turned down one time. Never. And so she prays. So she prays with expectation, with boldness, that God would answer that prayer. Well, the lady leaves, and 20 minutes later, she comes running back into the refugee center, phone in hand, daughter on the other end of the line. She made it to Germany and was safe. Now, that's pretty cool. Let me tell you what's even cooler. is that she sits down with our colleague and says, I have prayed to Allah for months, and you prayed one time in the name of Jesus, and he answered your prayer. Would you please tell me more about Jesus? That's how God's at work today among people that we're kind of fearful to open up our homes to. And the fourth way that many are coming to faith are through dreams and visions. Now, I know that we're Southern Baptists, and we don't like to think about those things. It's kind of weird for us. Uh, but let's just look at Scripture. Uh, whose mommy and daddy had dreams and visions? You know. Jesus' mommy and daddy, right? Had dreams and visions. Uh, what Pharaoh had dreams that he needed interpreted, and then here's Joseph to interpret those dreams. And from that very place where Pharaoh was that needed his dreams interpreted is where many people are coming from today. You know, in the Muslim world, there's a, a high uh, value on dreams and visions. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. Well, God knows this, and God uses this. And uh, to give you an example, we had a... Um, an older woman who we called Maji, which is like, uh, you know, respected older mother. And uh, she, I'm just going to be honest and be real with you, okay? You know, if you ever want to put, like, pastors or missionaries on this pedestal, you know, this is going to do it for you. Um, you know, we all got tired of talking to Maji. And, you know, she, now here's a refugee woman who's just, I mean, has seen people die, left behind family, you know, paid thousands of dollars to be in a, in a, in a boat that, that could have sunk like that and finally made it across. And here we are supposed to be loving on her. But I'm telling you, a few weeks in, and none of us wanted to go sit down with Maji because she was just, you know, she's in a bad mood all the time. And, uh, yeah, so there you go. Just truth and honesty here. Okay. So uh, here, here comes Maji one day, and we're not open yet. We, we don't open the doors until 10. She got to live it early. So she's sitting outside, and she has her job covering her face. And then, boom, bright light. Uh, she looks up, she hears a voice, and says, Daughter, the door is open. She says, no, sir, no, sir, the door's not open. They're not open yet. And puts her head back down. Boom, bright light, can't see anything, looks up. Daughter, the door is open. Head back down. No, sir, I'm telling you, maybe in 10 minutes they're going to open. They're not open yet. Boom, bright light. Daughter, I am the door, and I open. Well, 10 minutes later, we, we open, and here comes Maji, and what are we all doing? We're all in the corner going, uh, whose day is it to talk to Maji? It's being real. You're broad straws or whatever, I don't remember. But uh, here she comes in, she sits down, and one of our young Afghan men, who 
uh, had been a believer for about three years. You know, he drew the short end of the stick, whatever you want to say. And like, you know, it's your day, man. So he goes over and he sits down. And she begins to share with our, our young believer uh, this vision that she had just had. And Hadi, three years, almost to the day, had had almost the exact same vision. And so what, what he does then is he opens up the Bible to John 10, and he shows her Jesus' words that I am the door. And Maji grabs that Bible, and she shoves it down in her pocket. She says, I'm going to read more about Jesus tonight. So she comes back the next day. What's Maji doing? She's sitting around a table with eight young Afghan men sharing the truth about Jesus and the vision that he had given her. That's how God is at work. That's how God is at work every day among the very people that were hesitant to even cross the street and shake their hand. I want to challenge you today that God is at work. We have this great song of salvation that we can sing. And there are many Muslims around the world today who now can sing the song of salvation. The second song is a song of hope. We see this in Isaiah 52, verses 3 through 6. For thus says the Lord, you are sold for nothing, and you shall be redeemed without money. For thus says the Lord God, my people went down at the first into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrian oppressed them for nothing. Now therefore, what I have here, declares the Lord, seeing that my people are taken away for nothing, their rulers wail, declares the Lord, and continually all the day my name is despised. Therefore my people shall know my name, therefore in that day they shall know that it is I who speak here, I am. Well, this is a great song of hope because it reminds us that it's about God. It is not about us or anything that we can do or anything that we bring to the table. God is at work or he's not. God is in control. God has a plan. We can live our lives in the midst of darkness with great hope because we have a future. And even today in the midst of it, God is with us. What great hope we should take from that. Shouldn't that change the way that we react in a lost and broken and dying world, this great hope that we have? Does it? Has it changed you? Do you reflect on God and His goodness? Or do we dwell on all that we see around us? This changes the way we react and live in a broken world. Third is the song of mission. The song of mission. Isaiah 52, which Bella read for us earlier, these verses 7 through 10. I just want to highlight the first one and the last one. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace. Verse 10, the Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of God. All the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of God. Romans 10, 15. How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Revelation 7, 9 through 10. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. We know the end of the story. 
This should give us hope also. We know the end of the story. There will be a multitude from every tribe and language and tongue and people worshiping and praising the Father. And let me just tell you, we are not there yet. There's over 6,000 known languages in the world. Known languages. And we know that over 2,000 of them don't have any gospel presentation, the Bible in their heart language, people living among them that are believers. So don't even talk to me about end times yet. You know, so-and-so is going to get elected, and this starts this, because we see this in Scripture. Listen, let me just tell you, God has shown us what's going to happen. We know the end story. There will be a multitude of every tribe, language, and tongue, and people worshiping and praising the Father, and we are not there yet. So instead of focusing on what we don't know, and the Bible actually telling us no one will know until it happens, how about we focus on the task that He's given us today? How about we focus on this great task, this great mission that God has given us? Whether we live here or whether we travel to the other side of the world in order to share the good news. How about we focus on what we know God wants us to do? And, you know, the funny thing is that he's chosen, and I know some of you in the room, and some of you know me, so you know this is funny. He's chosen to use us for his glory and for this work. Now, that's kind of crazy. Isn't it, Brian? That's crazy, man. We, we are the ones that God has chosen for this mission. And that's just, you know, let's just be honest, a little crazy of God. But we trust God is sovereign. He knows what he's doing. And so let's just be a part of this right here, right now. You know, Acts 1 8 gives us this wonderful challenge Jesus speaking to his disciples to go where they are. Let's just use our context Bowling Green, Kentucky, the U.S., and to the nations. Okay? This is what Jesus is challenging his disciples. And you and I, sitting in this room, if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, we are just a continuation of that process. It started right here in Acts 1 8, where Jesus sends out the disciples. Go and make disciples, Matthew 28. Who make disciples? Who make disciples? 2 Timothy 3 16. And trust these things to faithful men who are entrusted to other faithful men. Two, three, four generations of disciples. Who make disciples? Who make disciples? Who make disciples? 2,000 years later, here we sit because the disciple of God shared Christ with us. And now you and I are supposed to be the continuation of what Jesus set in motion when he arose to heaven. It's your joy and your privilege to be a part of this process. And as broken and as useless as we may feel, you are exactly who God has chosen to use. There's comfort in that. Look, there are no perfect people in Scripture. I mean, there's some messed up people in Scripture. And that's who God chose to use. So let's just say, listen, you don't have to be perfectly used by the Lord. God wants to use and does use broken people. We are to do that here, and we are to do that through the ends of the earth. This is the mission that we have been given. Now, all of us in this room, if we are followers of Jesus, are to be a part of that mission right here. Some of us in this room are called to go to another land, learn another language and another culture, and be willing to do that. And there are people in this room right now who are not being obedient to the Lord. And I want to challenge you 
that if, if, if God is at work in you and you're kind of weird, I mean, you're kind of, you're like, man, this is really weird. You're, you're kind of scared that, man, this is maybe something that God wants me to do. I just want to I'd love to talk with you. I'm here until January 2nd. Jacob, and Kara, who one do you guys leave? Two weeks. you got two weeks you want to talk to them. Uh, so get on it. But, man, we would love to talk with you about serving long-term somewhere overseas. We need more people. And here's, here's the great thing, is that we can go, and this is our last song, we can go with confidence. So we see God giving Israel a song of confidence when he proclaims to them, depart, depart, go out from there, touch no unclean thing, go out from the midst of her, purify yourselves, you who bear the vessel of the Lord, for you shall not go out in haste, and you shall not go in flight. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. This is the opposite of when Moses and Israel fled Pharaoh. It's like, everybody get what you can get. we got to be gone about tomorrow morning. Well, this is different. This is a picture of, listen, you don't have to hurry. Don't, listen, don't run in fear. Go with confidence, because God goes before you, and he's got your back. So here's the crazy thing. The God of the universe, the creator of all things, who calls men and women just like you and me to himself, who does miraculous things through dreams and visions and answered prayer, he does all of these wonderful things. He tells us, I am with you. I'm going before you, and I've even got your back. So you don't have to worry about a thing. You are just the type of people I want to use. But most of us have relegated that task, that mission, to one hour on Sunday morning. How does that make sense? You don't have to go to the ends of the earth. Some of us are called, and I just want to challenge you. If that's you, come talk to me. But all of us should be about this mission with confidence right here in Bowling Green, Kentucky. God is bringing the nations to you. You are a welcoming host city to refugees from around the world. Will you be willing to cross cultural divide and actually reach out a hand, reach out an invitation, show the love of God, share the love of Christ, be willing to pray for those that we normally would never want to interact with because it's just some things we don't know, a little unsure of. But think back to Jesus when he was a refugee. Wouldn't we just be appalled if he was treated otherwise? And so let us then, as followers of Christ today, be challenged. And let us go from here with songs of salvation, with songs of hope, with songs of mission, and with songs of confidence. Let's be about the task that God has called all of us to. And let me just tell you, I mean, this is great, you know, and you know, maybe some of you are challenged. You're like, you know, well, I, you know, I don't know how to do that. I've never done that before. Okay, everybody, ears on. Here you go. You ready? 5.30 today, in the fellowship hall, your pastor is teaching a group of people how to share their faith and how to make disciples. So, show up. You know, there's no excuses. You know, I never knew I could. I don't know a way to do it. Listen, Jason is here for you, and he would love nothing more than to challenge you with how to do the three circles. How many of you have seen the three circles, like, every Sunday? Right? It's awesome. He does that for a reason. All right, so come tonight at 5.30, Fellowship Hall, learn it in a group setting, practice it in a group setting, and be held accountable to actually going out and sharing that with lostness. And he's going to follow that up and teach you what happens if someone does come to faith, then what do you do? 
You know, he's going to teach you that too. So, you're in one of those kinds of churches that trains and sins locally and at the ends of the earth. And so let's all be a part of that. So then the question then becomes, today, can you sing a song of salvation? If not, here in a few moments, we'll spend some time in prayer. There'll be pastors and elders over here that would love to talk with you about salvation through Christ alone. And for others, can you sing a song of hope? Or have you allowed the things of this world, the things of this earth, to distract you and to keep you down? And to cause you to live in fear and anxiety? Come today and ask God to give you a song of hope. For others, can you sing a song of mission today? If you call yourself a follower of Christ, and you can't sing a song of mission, even locally, I want to challenge you, just ask you to come and repent before the Lord. Be willing to spend a few extra hours. Go get trained in how to do it. And if you can't sing a song of confidence, which means you're not going out, come, repent. Ask the Lord to equip you and to send you out with confidence, even in your brokenness. Regardless of who you are and what you've done or where you are right now, you are the type of people that God loves to use. And so I leave that with you. What song do you need to sing today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how you have been at work, even in the history of Israel, all the way up to Jesus sending out the disciples and then to us here today. We thank you that you are at work. You always have been and you always will be worthy of glory and you are worthy of our efforts. So challenge us today, Father, and use us for your glory. May we do all that we do for you. And let us be guided and directed by you and your word and nothing else. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.